are listening to Episode 7 of Half Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper, written and read by Nathan Lowell. Chapter 11, St. Cloud System, 2352, February 23. I must have been tired because I slept straight through until the watchstander woke me at 0530. Francis and I joined the other second-watch crew, and we all managed to cycle through the sand in just a few ticks. Nobody said much. I got the feeling it was more because we were all groggy rather than any deference to the still-sleeping crew. On the way out of berthing, Francis headed down to relieve Brill, and I ran up to get coffee for us. I could hear Cookie, Pip, and Sarah working in the galley and smelled the bacon. My stomach growled, but I settled for pouring two mugs of coffee and a promise to come back for food soon. By the time I got back to Foggy Bottom, Frances was already relieving a groggy-looking brill. She smiled when she saw me. "'You holding up okay?' she asked. "'So far, so good,' I told her. I found out what those little statues are called and actually got a good night's sleep. "'Well, busy night,' she commented. "'You'll have to fill me in later. Right now I want some breakfast and a little nap before I have to be back here for the afternoon watch.' She waved and headed out. Frances and I settled down to our coffee, and I made sure my tablet was slaved to the station.' Just to refresh my memory, I asked him. Sometime in the middle of the morning, we'll run the VSI again? Yep, he said with a grin. And that's the highlight of the festivities, unless something breaks. What if something breaks, I asked. Depends on what it is, he said. We might get wet, we might get dirty, we might die. He shrugged. Hard to tell. I think I'd just as soon avoid that last one, I said with a grin. When was the last time something broke? On the lowest? Not as long as I've been aboard. He smiled. I don't see that changing any time soon, so long as we pay attention to business and keep our crap in the tanks. He showed me how to review the overnight logs before we went up to breakfast. It's a good idea to see if anything unusual happened on the previous watch, he told me. That way you're less likely to be surprised. Makes sense, I said. Brill's good, and she'd have mentioned anything out of the ordinary, but it's still a good habit to get into. As he said, there wasn't anything unusual in the logs, and we went up to the mess deck for a quick breakfast. While we were there, the automated system check fired off, and Francis had me acknowledge it on my tablet. You'll be standing watch on your own in a couple of weeks or less, he told me with a grin. Back in environmental after breakfast, Francis startled me by saying, Stay on the path, right if you get work. What? I said, Stay on the path, right if you get work, he said. You're going to make me try to find my way alone? Okay, pit me if you get lost, he said with a grin. He leaned back in the watchstander's chair and put his feet up on the console. I can follow your progress from here. It'll be okay. But I thought you said we'd do this in the middle of the watch. It's barely 0700. Traditionally, I said, traditionally. I also pointed out we could do it at any time, he said with a grin. I couldn't think of any reason not to go, so I keyed up the overlay and headed out. It took me almost 45 ticks, and I missed one package that I had to go back for, but I didn't get lost. When I finally got back to environmental, Francis gave me a big grin and a thumbs up. That was amazing, he said. What, missing one, I asked? Making it back at all, he said. What do you mean, I asked him. He took a deep breath and said, You just passed the environmental initiation. It took me three tries before I could make it to the other end of the ship and back without having to call for help, and it was a month of watches before I could make the run with only three missed stations. You're kidding, I told him. He shook his head. Diane was able to do it on her second try, but Gregor never made the run without missing a station in the stand year and a half he was aboard. And you sent me out there to do it alone after only one run? Well, you made it, didn't you? Well, yeah, I said. We shrugged. I was watching you the whole way on the display. 
That one package right behind the hatch and the spine, it's easy to miss, but you backtrack to it and nothing flat, he said. When you ran the after compartments without a single miss, I was cheering and yelling in here. I'm surprised they didn't hear me up in engineering birthing. He was grinning like a jack-o'-lantern. I didn't know what to make of it. It seemed pretty logical as I was doing it, I told him. All the packages are marked on the schematic. I just followed the map. Exactly, he said, but do you know how long it takes most people to figure that out? He was all but laughing now. Oh, Ish, you're going to be great. I had my doubts. The rest of the morning watch was largely uneventful. Francis had me sit on the watchstander station, showed me how to check for routine maintenance tasks that might need doing on the watch. There were none, but it looked like we'd have one on our evening watch. Then he sat in Brill's chair and left me to handle all the routine systems checks and to keep an eye on the graphs. Over time I noticed that they did move ever so slightly up or down, but never far and they always cycled back. Around 1000, Francis took me on what he called a walk-around, and we did a visual tour of the section. It wasn't all that big, but he pointed out things to watch for along the way, like valves that might be developing leaks and the smaller filters that needed periodic replacements including the one that we'd spotted in our earlier examination of the routine maintenance tasks. Brill came to relieve us at 11.45, and Francis regaled her with the story of my solo perambulation of the ship. She gave me a big smile and a high five. I still didn't see what the big deal was, but I tried to be suitably excited for them. Personally, though, I was looking forward to lunch and a nap. We had to be back on duty at 1800. Francis and I got to be a good team. He didn't make me do all the VSIs by myself. I need the exercise, too, he told me. Personally, I think he was just grateful for the company. I made a good start on the Spec 3 materials, but there was a lot of stuff, including some math and science, I wasn't all that comfortable with. At the end of my first week in environmental, Brill had me move over to third section and stand watch with Diane. To be totally honest, I didn't understand why I didn't just stay with Francis. We got along well, and he certainly knew his stuff. Once I got on watch with Diane, though, I recognized that Brill was exposing me to a different style of watch standing. Where Francis had been, not loose exactly, but more laid back and willing to go with the flow, Diane was a checklist maker. Every watch, the first thing she did was make a list of what she wanted to do. She scheduled everything. At this time, do the VSI. At that time, do the department walkthrough. Any schedule maintenance task goes here. She was very good at it, and somehow it suited her. It worked out for us, too, because she was also the scrubber queen. One of the challenges was finding enough people to do the sludge tanks and replace the algae matrices in the scrubber. Being on watch with her meant she didn't need to arm wrestle anybody to come in on their off time to help her. We had a mid-watch where she and I spent the night up to our armpits in slime. We did the VSI early that night, and she picked a watch where there wasn't any other routine maintenance. I'm not saying Francis wouldn't have been able to find a two-stand window in the watch to do the scrubber, but with Diane, I always knew exactly what we'd be doing and when. Not that we didn't have a lot of time just sitting and looking at monitors. It was watch-standing duty, after all. I don't know if it was the trip we'd taken to visit the mushroom farm back in Marguerite or that I'd spend so much time working with her before I actually joined the department, but we slipped quickly into a level of integration that I'd not really developed with Francis in the whole week I'd been with him. Not that Francis and I didn't get along. He was a good guy, and I liked his dry wit very much, but watch with Diane didn't seem quite so long. I told myself it was because of her checklists. One thing was odd with Diane, though, and that was she'd never talk about her past. She wasn't that much older than me, really, but she'd been working as a spacer for almost five staniers. I knew she'd been on at least one other ship before the Lois, but she wouldn't talk about it. A girl likes to have a bit of mystery, she'd tell me with a sultry smile if I asked a question that she thought was too much. 
Then she'd mug it up by batting her eyelashes rapidly, giggle, and change the subject. Two weeks out of St. Cloud, I shifted watch sections once more and joined Brill on first. Our first watch together was an afternoon watch, and I felt like I hadn't seen her in weeks. We'd passed back and forth on watch, of course, but it was good to see her. Her style of watch standing was something between Francis and Diane. She'd start the watch by enumerating the tasks we needed to accomplish, but didn't actually write them down or schedule them. That first afternoon, she sat me down and we had a good cab fest. There wasn't that much we needed to do that watch. Basic VSI and the automated integrity checks. Diane and I had done scrubber maintenance the day before, and we were good for another week on sludge duty. So, what did you learn about the sculptures, she asked after we'd settled. I filled her in on the story that Sarah had told and laughed when we both pulled out our Welkies. You carry yours too, she asked. Yeah, I told her. It feels good. I catch myself playing with it when I'm studying or walking around on VSI. Well, maybe they're magic and maybe they're not, but they are very nice and I treasure mine. So, thank you again, she told me. She changed the subject then. So, how comfortable are you on watch? I shrugged. I think I know what to do as long as nothing goes wrong, but I have no idea what to do if something breaks. Such as, she asked. Well, what if a scrubber turns green in the middle of the watch? It won't, she said. It takes several stands for that to develop, and it shows up in the air mixture graphs long before that. What if one of the sensor packages fails at VSI check, I asked. Call me, she said. What if one of the pipes starts leaking? Call me, she said. What if one of the graphs starts changing? Call me, she said. What if I want somebody to talk to in the middle of the night? I asked. Call Bev, she laughed. She can come down here and smack you easier than I can. I laughed. Very true. Look, she said seriously, basically the role of the watch stander is to alert the chain of command in case of an anomalous activity. Diane and Francis, as spec threes, they have the knowledge and experience to handle some minor routine maintenance on their own, which helps keep us moving nicely and breaks up the monotony of the watch standing for them. That makes sense, I told her. And you don't expect me to do that. Not really, she said, but I'm not going to tell you you can't either. If you see a filter that needs changing on your watch and you know how to do it, go for it. If you don't, or even if you're uncertain, pass it off to the next watch. Nobody's going to fault you for it. Okay, I told her. That makes me feel better. You're an engineman-ish, not a specialist. We all know you're good and we appreciate your help a lot, but we also know you're not trained to do more than keep your eyes open. My charge to you as your section chief is to call me whenever you see something you don't understand. I'll never be upset if you call me over something that turns out to be nothing, but we may not survive if you don't call me on something that turns out to be serious. And we all know you don't have enough training or experience to be able to tell the difference yet, so don't be a hero. Okay, I told her. I can do that. I got good marks and not hero in school. I grinned. Good, she said. What do we need to do this watch, then? VSI, section walkthrough. We've already checked. There's no routine maintenance. Stay awake and keep clearing the automated integrity checks, I told her. You forgot one, she said. I thought back over the list, but I couldn't think of what I'd missed. Study for spec three, she said with a laugh. I grinned back at her. Okay, Mr. Huang, she said. You are watch standard of record for the first section as of now. You will log me as your assistant, and we'll see how it goes. She got up out of the console and waved me into it. I swapped the logs as she'd instructed, and that was it. Halfway through that third week, she stopped coming to watch with me altogether. And when I relieved Diane for my first solo watch, she said, Welcome aboard-ish. I felt like I was finally a real member of the Foggy Bottom Gang. Chapter 12. Dunsany Road System. 2352. March 30. Watch standing soon became as comfortable a routine as mess deck had been. 
I missed my daily repartee with Pip and Cookie, and after months of feeling like I had no privacy, I suddenly found myself alone for long periods of time, especially when the watch rotation took me into evening and mid-watches. Brill, a section chief, was in her office during the designated business day, which was 0800 to 1700. I'm not sure what the rationale for that was. It's not like we got any walk-in business. Ship's business was done during that time, though, and she'd occasionally have to attend a section head meeting. In spite of being alone, I did feel like I was part of a team. Not the kind of team that Pip and Cookie and I had been, closely integrated and all working together to get the next meal out. It was more like a relay race where I'd take the baton and move it forward through time, hand it off to the next runner. When I was off duty, I got to know more of the other first section people. The one thing about being a day worker in the galley was that I'd see people, they'd disappear, and new people would show up as sections rotated. It was like watching a kid go round on a carousel. Every so often he'd swing by on his carved horse, wave, disappear around the bend again. Standing watch was like riding the merry-go-round. You got to see the people riding the horses around you and talk to them and get to know them a little better. It was the people standing on the ground that periodically appeared and disappeared. Tabitha Rondita was one of the people on the merry-go-round. She was on first watch too, but I'd never really gotten to know her terribly well in spite of the fact that for six months she'd slept on the other side of the partition from me. An olive-skinned woman with black hair, dark brown eyes, and spectacular curves that her ship suit seemed to emphasize. She wasn't fat. None of the crew was fat. She was more rounded, where many of the other women aboard were slender and willowy, what my mother would have called an Earth Mother type, in her late thirties. Most of the first watch hit the gym at the same time in the cycle and used it as a kind of pump-me-up-for-watch period, during the off part of the six-on, six-off, six-on section of the watch cycle. Tabitha would always come in and climb on a rowing machine, I spotted her from the track as I did my laps, and she'd often row for as long or longer than I'd run. We'd smile and wave, and after a few watch cycles, started meeting up in the sauna with three or four others that included Mitch Fitzroy, the machinist from propulsion section who slept in the lower under me, Arvid Jaw, a wiper from power, and Sean Grishin, who was on the bridge crew with Tabitha. They all knew each other pretty well, of course, but they only knew me from the mess deck. They welcomed me onto their merry-go-round readily enough, and I soon found that they teased Sean about his knitting. It's crochet with a hook, he'd answer. Arvid was a quiet, bookish guy who could sneak up on you with a pun faster than anybody I'd ever met. Mitch was a nice guy, the archetype mechanic who really only lived for engines. Tabitha? She was the queen bee, and was always complaining about the size of her hips and her thighs, although Arvid and Sean seemed to enjoy them whenever Tabitha walked out of the sauna. She was aware of her effect on the guys, too, often staying long in the sauna until they'd be practically passing out from the heat, before she'd stand up and languidly sashay out to the showers. Nothing was ever said, but it was clear that Tabitha appreciated being appreciated. It wasn't that I didn't get to see Pip, either. It's just that we were no longer joined at the hip by identical duty cycles. I had one out of three days completely off, and we got plenty of chances to get our heads together. Beverly was the one I never saw. She was on second watch, and almost always on duty when I was off. We had some few stands off at the same time, but I found that I missed her a lot. It felt awkward whenever I tracked her down when she was off duty, like my moving out had somehow changed us. I suppose it had something to do with riding on opposite sides of the carousel. Two weeks out of Dunsany Roads, Pip and I arranged to meet in the mess deck during his afternoon break, and it felt almost like old times. So how the store's trading coming, I asked him. He grinned. Really good. Dunsany Rhodes is some of the only beef cattle on this end of the galaxy. Not beefalo hybrids, but real cows. There's also a good number of chicken farms, and Cookie's planning on some new chicken dishes. 
they don't have as big a fishery on St. Cloud either, so we're hoping to get some decent returns on some of the fish down in Freezer 5. Nothing like the coffee deal, though, I bet, I told him. Well, they do have commercial quantities of tea, but no, no coffee, he grinned. We were talking about textiles, and they have a big cotton and flax industry, I asked, trying to remember what he'd told me. Yeah, he said, last beacon data indicated some amount of silk production as well. So what do you think we can expect to find in the flea market there, I asked. Yeah, it's always a dice call, he said with a shrug. I'd expect to see cotton and linen fabrics and various permutations from yard goods to finished products. Dunsany's a confederation port, not a company system. It's the first one we've hit since you've been aboard. Big companies still hold the majority of the production assets on planet, but they don't have the same kind of stranglehold that they do on other systems. The Lois has a huge load going into Dunsany Roads, although some of it's being rerouted. We'll be docked an extra day just because we're swapping out almost a third of the containers. Mercy, I exclaimed. What are you going to put in the empty container for buttress? Denim and canvas, I think, he said. Fabric. Why fabric, I asked. Wouldn't you get more upside on clothing? Yeah, Pip said, but they use denim and canvas for a lot of different things on Betris. Burlap sacking would be another good choice if we could find the right quantities and prices. They use a lot of burlap on Betris. So what do they make there, I asked at last. They've got a variety of agricultural products, mostly wine, but also hops, barley, wheat, and oats. We're scheduled to pick up containers of hops and wheat this trip. Interesting, I said. No beer? <laughs> no, he laughed. Beer isn't like wine. It's a lot cheaper to take the bulk dry goods and brew your own where you are. Wait, did you say barley? Yeah, he said, why? Single malt whiskey is usually made from malted barley. Can we sell whiskey at a flea market? Good question, he pulled up a schedule. We're headed for Nial after Betris. I suppose if it doesn't sell, we could always have a party. I grinned. Well, let's see what's doing first, I suppose. True, Pip agreed. And what are we going to do with all this yarn? We have a hundred skeins at a cred each, I asked. Pip said, yeah, that makes 20 kilos worth. I have an idea of what to do with it if we don't sell it, but I need to do some homework of my own first, I told him. How's Sarah doing, I asked, changing the subject. Well, Pip scrunched up his face a little before letting out a breath. Some days are good, some days are not so good. We had a couple of days before transition, where she flinched every time somebody stuck a plate toward her in the mess line. Sometimes she cries in her sleep. Can you get her to go to the gym, maybe ride one of the bikes or row or something? The walls have got to be closing in on her by now. I suggested it, he said, but she's still self-conscious. She's beginning to put a little flesh on her bones. A month of cookies cooking has helped. She's not quite so knobby, he said with a grin, but she's still really shy around the rest of the crew. Bev's okay, and Cookie and I. Except for that one episode, she's okay on the line. Something about being behind the counter, maybe. I thought she looked a little healthier, I said, but if she doesn't find something to do with her time off... I know, believe me, I know, Pip said... What are you doing besides running and walking the length of the ship three times a day? He asked with a grin. I'm studying for Spec 3, I told him. Given up on the idea of a set of full share ratings, he asked, surprised. Well, realistically, what's the chance that I'm not going to be on the lowest? I asked him. True, he conceded. If I leave here, it's most likely because I want to at this point, and I can't see me wanting to. You and me both, brother, he said. So how's Spec 3 going? And I shook my head at that one. It's a lot harder... Science and math that I'm not really all that familiar with. Well, hang in there, brain boy, he said encouragingly. In the meantime, I need to get in a run in the sauna before the dinner drill. Are you coming? he asked. No, I said, shaking my head. I think I'm going to go do some homework. Well, we'll see you around the mess deck then, he said with a grin, and headed to the gym. I headed for deck birthing.
Sean Grishin was right where I expected him to be, in his bunk with a crochet hook and a big ball of blue yarn. He was listening to something on a headset as he worked, and I stood there for a heartbeat or two before he noticed me watching. His fingers danced along the yarn, and the silvery hook glinted as he turned out stitch after identical stitch. He saw me watching and said, Hey, Ish, and pulled off his headset. What brings you to the spider's web? he asked with a grin. Hey, Sean, I wonder if you got a few ticks that we could talk a little business, I began. Are you kidding? Of course. What's on your mind, he said. I outlined my idea to him. As I talked, I could see him slotting in bits and pieces, nodding slowly. As I got near the punchline, he started grinning, and when I finished, he just nodded. Count me in, he said. Thanks, Sean. I think this is going to be an interesting experiment. I appreciate your help, I told him. Hey, don't thank me, Ish. If this works out like I think it might, you're going to make me a lot of credits. Three quads down, I found Sarah sitting in her bunk, fingering her raven and reading something on her tablet. She did look a lot better than the bruised woman that stepped off the shuttle, but she still had a haunted look around the corners of her eyes. I tapped softly on the entrance of the quad and very softly said, Hey, Sarah. She looked up at me and smiled. Hi, Ishmael. I don't see much of you these days. How's it going in environmental? I nodded and moved slowly into the quad, giving her as much room as I could and moving slowly and deliberately. I saw Pip a little while ago. He said you're doing a lot better. She shrugged one shoulder. Some days I do pretty well. Some days not so much, she said. I remember my first voyage, Neris to Darbot. I was a mess. Mom had just been killed, and I only just barely avoided deportation. Pip didn't tell me about the gym until weeks into the voyage, I told her with a smile. I'm not ready for the gym, she said a little defensively. I like my little place right up here, she patted the bunk. I told you it was a good bunk, I said with a grin, but I understand about the gym. What I really needed, myself, was something to do. I remember complaining that all I did was work, sleep, work, sleep, work, sleep, I told her with a little chuckle. I could see that I'd hit home with that. Yeah, she said a bit wistfully and looking about. I've had a lot to learn and more to think about than I really wanted to, but I find myself wondering how much longer the trip is going to last more often now. How'd you like a little project, I asked. Something to keep you busy and maybe make you some extra creds. She was instantly wary then. What? she asked sharply. I'm not sure what she expected, but I don't think it had anything to do with what I finally suggested. Well, that sounds like fun, she said with a little smile when I was done, but I don't know how. Oh, we've got that covered too, I said. I just wanted to run it by you to see if you were interested before I got too far down the line. I smiled as reassuringly as I could as I started to back slowly out of the quad. Let me get some things arranged, and I'll come back and see you again in a few days, okay? Yes, she said. I'd like that. Chapter 13 Dunsany Road System 2352, April 3 We were about ten days short of Dunsany Road's orbital when we had a suit drill while I was alone on watch. It was the only oh-damn moment I'd had as a watchstander up to then. It was evening watch, about 21.30, and I was walking down the spine of my VSI. As soon as the whoop-whoop sounded, I knew I was in trouble. I already had the ship's schematic on my tablet, but wasted a few seconds fumbling for the suit locker overlay. Luckily, there was one just about four steps ahead of me in the spine, so I didn't have too far to go. The whooping stopped and the announcement started by the time I got a suit out and opened up, and I was just locking down the helmet as the announcement ended and was thinking, phew, when it occurred to me, I didn't know who to tell or how to tell them. I scrabbled my tablet out and ran off a quick bip to Brill. 
on VSI, spine, suited but tell who, how. Covered, bipped back almost instantly. It was followed a couple of heartbeats later with good thinking. The all-clear announcements followed momentarily, and I zipped the suit back into the locker with the red-used tab out. The captain hadn't reported any fatalities, so somebody must have clued in Sarah. When I got back from VSI, Brill was waiting for me in environmental. That was fast thinking, and I'm sorry you had to do it, she said with a grin. She popped a suit locker open and pulled out a used suit. The communications patch on the sleeve had several options, which I, of course, had no clue about. Brill ran through them one at a time, including the press-this-button-to-report one. It was, as you might expect, pathetically easy once you knew how. Cookie and Pip had taught me how to use the communications patch to talk to them, but at the time we hadn't thought I'd ever need to report for myself. Thanks, Brill, I said. I appreciate your coming down to tell me now before I forget. She laughed. Well, it's my fault. I should have taught you that when you were on watch with me. It's just one of those things that didn't occur to me because you'd already been through six months of suit drill. Thanks for being so quick on your feet. She waved then and headed out, and I cleared the automated integrity check on the screen. After she left, I pulled out my Spec 3 materials and started up where I'd left off. It seemed readily apparent to me that I wasn't going to be taking the Spec 3 exam at the end of the month. After about a month's worth of work, I still hadn't gotten through all the instructional materials, let alone mastered the practice tests. I dug in, though, and kept going. Francis found me there at 2345 when he came to relieve the watch. Hey, Ish, how goes it? He called from the hatch. Quiet, all ops normal. Cleared the last integrity check just a little while ago. I'm trying to get through this environmental specialist material, and it's just kicking my butt. You're kidding, he said. What seems to be the problem? I've been wading through the instructional materials ever since we left St. Cloud. It just never seems to end. He came over and looked at my tablet over my shoulder. You're going for spec one, he asked. I thought you only wanted spec three. You're almost through it, though, so good work, he congratulated me. You're going to try to leapfrog it like Brill did? I looked at the indicator and saw that, indeed, I was studying for Spec 1 Environmental. Oh, crap. I've been studying the wrong exam all this time. Francis looked at me and shrugged. What do you mean? That first day when we pulled out of St. Cloud, I told him. Yeah, I remember it. You and Diane were sitting over there on the pad and waiting for navigation detail to be secured, he said. That's when I thought I might as well try for the Spec 3 slot. It's there and understaffed with me in it. The lowest is authorized for three spec threes. Well, that's good thinking, he said, but how'd you end up studying spec one? I don't know, I said, shaking my head. Diane and I were going through the materials, and when the nav detail was secured, you and I had the watch, so I bookmarked the beginning and just went back there and picked up where I left off. And, he said, and it seems I bookmarked spec one and not spec three, I told him. I just never looked at it again. I was so sure I was studying spec three, it just never dawned on me to look. Hmm... You think you could have been distracted a bit, he asked innocently. You mean by changing divisions and becoming a watchstander and all, I asked. Oh, he said, that might be, but I was thinking about Diane, he said. Well, she wouldn't have messed with my tablet, I started to say, but then noticed him grinning. Let me just point out to you that you and the very attractive Miss Ardell were playing kneesies on the floor over there for the better part of three stands. I'm just suggesting that perhaps you were not actually thinking as clearly as you seem to think you were, he said with a grin. I didn't know how to respond at all. I just blushed. Really red. And then I got mad because I'd spent a month studying the wrong material. Well, I sighed. I'll start on Spec 3 tomorrow. I'm too tired tonight. Mr. Huang, I relieve you, Francis said formally. I'm assuming you've nothing to report. All ops normal, Mr. Gartner. No maintenance scheduled or performed. 
You have the watch. I started to leave when Francis stopped me. Yes, she said, I was teasing you. Yeah, I know, Francis, I said, but... And I shrugged helplessly. He nodded. I hear you, brother. I hear you. When I got off watch, I intended to just go to bed, but that last half-stand had set me off, so I hit the track instead. A couple other watchstanders were going in as well, and I recognized Tabitha just settling into the rowing machine. We were beginning the day-off portion of the watch cycle. Second and third sections would be covering the whole day that had just begun, and I wouldn't have to go back on watch again until midnight. It wasn't the usual time for first section to be in the gym, but I noticed a lot of us there. I just climbed the ladder to the track and started running. I didn't count laps. I just ran. Eventually, my legs said, Okay, we're done now. We're going to go to the showers and then to bed. You coming? So I did. I woke up too late for breakfast and too early for lunch. I showered and went to the mess deck anyway, and Cookie gave me pastry. I took it and my coffee and went to find Brill. Diane had the watch and waved to me when I came in. Hey, Ish, this is your day off, she teased me. Yeah, I know. Is the big bee here, I asked. She nodded her head at the office. Anything wrong, she asked, looking concerned. No, I just need to talk to her about last night, I said. Diane knew I wasn't telling the whole truth, but she didn't press it. Hang in there, Ish. I heard you did good. And then the automated system integrity check came up, and while she was distracted, I headed for the office. Brill looked up when I stepped in the open door. Ish, what's wrong, she asked. I've been studying the wrong stuff for a month, I blurted. Okay, she said. Breathe. In. Out. Good. Now, start slowly and perhaps throw in a clue about what in the world you're talking about. She was being lighthearted about it, but she was obviously concerned. I wasn't sure what must have been on my face, but I had her attention. I'm sorry. I'm upset. I've been studying, trying to get ready to take the Spec 3 test in this next cycle. Okay, so far, she prompted gently with a smile. I've been studying since the day we pulled out of St. Cloud. I started going over it with Diane during the nav detail. And when the detail was over, I bookmarked it so I could go back to it. Keep going, Brill encouraged me. Don't forget to breathe. I'd about given up on being ready next cycle. I've been reading for a month and I can't get to the end of it. There's a lot of math and science and stuff that's taken me forever to wade through. What? she asked. Yeah, that's what Francis said last night when he relieved me. I'd bookmarked spec one, not spec three. I closed my eyes and took a deep breath and let it out. Holy crap-ish. You didn't notice? she asked. Seems silly in hindsight, but there's only the one small notation in the top corner of the screen on the tablet. I was so sure that I'd bookmarked three that it just never occurred to me to look at it again. I expected it to be hard, so when it was, I just figured that was normal. So you've been studying Spec 1 ever since we left St. Cloud, she asked, as if to confirm what I was telling her. Yes, I said. How far did you get, she asked. I pulled out my tablet and showed her the bookmarked page. You're almost through it, she exclaimed. Yeah, but I don't understand half of it. That's not what has you so upset, though, is it? She said suddenly. I shook my head. That's just stupidity. I'm used to being stupid. Ishmael Horatio Huang, you're a long way from stupid, although if you keep talking like that, you might convince me. Now what the hell's going on? I lowered my voice then, brutally conscious of Diane just outside at the watch station. When Francis pointed it out last night, he started teasing me about Diane about how I probably wasn't thinking clearly because I'd been playing kneesies with Diane for three stands. That shit, she said. No, no, I held up my hand. He was teasing. He's a good guy, and I've been teased before, and he didn't mean anything by it. 
And what has you so upset, Ish? She asked gently. What if he's right? I asked. What are you talking about, Brill said. You're not making any sense. I lowered my voice as low as I could get it and still have her hear me above the environmental noises. What if just being around Diane distracts me so much I don't know what I'm doing? I could put the ship in real danger. Brill just gaped at me. I wanted the deck to open up and swallow me. Finally, Brill said, You're kidding, right? What? No. Why would I kid about that? Well, Ish, do you really think you're so distracted by being around Diane that you don't know what you're doing? She asked gently. Well, I don't think so, I told her, but how would I know? I thought I was studying Spec 3. What if I'd crossed CO2 and O2 instead, or done something equally stupid and dangerous? Well, none of us are infallible, Ish. Aren't you being a little harsh on yourself? She asked gently. We're talking about the safety of the ship, I said. What if I can't be trusted? Ish, let's be clear about one thing. I trust you with my life. If I didn't, I wouldn't have you in my section. I trust you with the lives of every person on this ship. I don't for one instant think your gonads got in the way of your brains, ever. I've seen you working with Diane. I don't buy it. I'm not even going to rent it for the weekend. But I studied the wrong damn material for the last six weeks. Is that reasonable? I'm sorry, Ish, Diane said from behind me. No, I'm sorry, Diane, I turned to her. I, no, I'm sorry, Ish, it was a prank. What? I asked. It was a prank. I didn't think you'd go this long without catching it. Brill started laughing. What? I asked again. When we secured nav detail, you set your tablet down on the station for a second. I changed the bookmark from spec 3 to spec 2. It was a joke, and I am so sorry. I didn't realize you were studying it all this time. What? I asked a third time. It was a joke, and I'm sorry. She looked really miserable. Really? I asked. She nodded. Oh, thank the holy handmaidens of Harridan, I said. See, now don't you feel silly-ish? Brill asked. Diane looked confused now. What? she asked. Just then what she'd said sunk in. What did you do? I asked again suddenly. She sighed. I'm so sorry-ish, she began. No, 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 that's fine. What was it that you said you did? You set your tablet down on the watch station for a second as we were setting the normal watch. I changed your bookmark from spec 3 to spec 2. I had no idea you wouldn't catch it. Brill's eyes flicked to mine then. You set it to 2? Diane nodded. Yes, but I didn't think he'd... Brill held up her hand, and Diane chopped off. You set it to spec two. Answer yes or no. Yes. Brill looked at me. Francis, she said. Had to be, I said. What? asked Diane. I've been studying spec one all this time, Diane, I told her. No, spec two. I set it to spec two, she said. Brill held up my tablet with the spec one lesson on it. But spec one would be practically impossible without any background, she protested. And in spite of that, our man Ishmael Huang here has almost finished it in a month, Brill informed her. Diane was shaking her head, but Brill and I both said, Francis. He did spot it as soon as he looked over my shoulder, I said. Not that it would be too difficult for somebody who knew what the real spec three looked like. And he was writing you about Diane, Brill pointed out. Hard. What? Diane asked again. I could have died, but Brill said, Francis was teasing Ish about being so captivated by your feminine charms that he couldn't see straight, hence his inability to see the difference between Spec 1 and Spec 3. What? Diane asked. 
Brill nodded. To the point where Ish was here to resign because he was afraid Francis was right and he didn't want to be a danger to the ship. That's crazy, Diane rounded on me. I'm a much bigger threat to the ship than you are, you great ninny. Brill and I looked at each other at that outburst. I don't think you meant that quite the way it sounded, Diane, Brill said dryly. That shit, Diane said at last. Wait a tick, she turned back to me. You came down here to resign because you were afraid he was right? she asked. Well, I didn't know how I could have messed up the bookmark, I protested. I didn't think he was right. You're a hell of a woman and all, but you're crew. That's not something I'd do. But if he's right and I can't really think straight around you, I might not know. I have to allow for the possibility that I'm wrong. Brill just sat in her chair with the most incredulous expression on her face, and then she stood up. That got her attention. Okay, now, who finds this hysterically funny? She raised her hand and looked at me. I raised my hand and looked at Diane. Diane raised her hand part way. Not hysterically, but it does have its humorous side, she admitted grudgingly. Okay, then. Now, other than poor Ishmael, who's been studying for Spec 1 and could probably pass it, what permanent harm has been done? I looked from Diane to Brill and back again. Well, so long as we've established that my idiocy is not related to my lack of emotional control, I'm okay, I said at last. Brill looked at Diane. Do you have any problems that we need to address as a group? Diane thought about it for a moment. Well, since you put it that way, no. In that case, go clear the ASIC, she said with a grin. Diane scrambled out to the watch station and acknowledged the beeping system integrity message. Ish, Brill turned back to me. You are, without a doubt, one of the most serious, well-meaning, intelligent, sensitive people I have ever met. But if you ever let something this stupid get this far again, I will personally strap you into a precipitation tank and let it fill up. Would you consider doing it anyway, I asked. She chuckled. Don't tempt me. Now, let's see how far away from spec one you really are. What? She held up my tablet. If you have even half of this material after only a month, we can have you at spec one by the time testing rolls around. Can you think of a more fitting comeuppance for our treacherous Mr. Gartner? she asked with a grin. But, I started to say, sit down, Wong. That's an order, she said. But she was grinning. Thanks for listening to Episode 7 of Half Share, a trader's tale from the golden age of the Solar Clipper. Music is from the Banks of Newfoundland, an Irish jig recorded in September of 1928 by Peter James Conlon and available on the Internet Archive at www.archive.org. This has been a presentation from Durandus, offered under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial No Derivatives 2.5 license. For website and more information on the Golden Age, visit www.durandus.com/golden. Music